the reviews are in, and we're not really going to have that many of them today. Or are we? Because we mm-hmm. have 25 movies lined up, and we're going to go through all of them. But they all have one thing in common, and it's kind of it's kind of a depressing thing to start with. Because, uh, yeah, he's still Todd Vandenberg. I'm still Rob Steele. Sean Connery, however, is no longer with us. And with as much death as we talked about in pre-pro, hi, Ted. Haha, I got it this week, so there, Todd. <laughs> Sean Connery passed recently and we wanted to do this show last week, but family things came up and, and, you know, it happens. I was a bum. That too. So (laughs) we we thought, you know, let's go through Sean Connery's films. And what we should do is figure out what is the best non James Bond Sean Connery film. And I think the, the problem I had with this was, there's really only two films that are Sean Connery films. Um, I apologize for my phone going off. It's going to go off a lot because, <laughs> uh, I don't know, Lee and Ted and damn it, Jenna, I don't want to go to the meeting today. It's one of those, it's one of those days, you know? Wait, <laughs> this one's from Sean Connery. He says he's back. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be nice. That would be cool. But anyway, the the only two Sean Connery films, and let me explain this, I guess, are Robin and Marion and The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. The rest of them are Sean Connery and somebody. It's it's a dual thing. I'm thinking. Jump in. I'd say there are more than that, but to the general point, a lot of those films are Sean Connery and... Exactly. Or or actually, Sean Connery is even the secondary person, because you look at The Untouchables. Often. Yeah. And The Untouchables was a Kevin Costner film. Exactly. With Sean Connery in it. Uh, the Rock is a Nick Cage film with Sean Connery in it. Correct. Um, and there's even films in The Lost Crusade. <clears throat> Last Crusade was a Harrison Ford film. Exactly. Um, actually, I want, wanted to bring this one up, because I thought this was sad. Uh, Time Bandits. Mm-hmm. It's a Terry Gilliam film that has Sean Connery in it uh, with John Cleese and some other Monty Python people. But the main character of this, um, the the kid in, in the movie Time Bandits, Craig Warnock, did not make the first page of credits on IMDb's page for this film. <laughs> IMD, IMDb does have its flaws at times. There, there's one of them, um, which I thought was sad. That's not right <laughs> at all. The films where Sean Connery gets, you know, a top billing kind of thing. Uh, Rising Sun, it's Connery and Wesley Snipes. Presidio, Sean Connery and Mark Harmon. Hunt for Red October, Sean Connery and Alec Baldwin. So, I, I mean, there, there's not many Sean Connery-led films that are not Bond. And yet he is still considered this icon the monolithic yes um person because i wasn't say character he's not a character he was a person and and for good reason the the last crusade what does everybody remember about the last crusade that uh he and harrison ford shared a nazi in bed other than that was <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, yeah, it's Connery's performance, and that's the case with almost yeah. all of these movies. Who won the Oscar for the The Untouchables? Sean Connery, and deservedly so. I mean, that right. performance is just like bang! It's a huge performance. It's an amazing performance, and uh, followed by Andy Garcia, who was also excellent in that film. And then you get to oh yeah, Kevin Costner was good in that too, and he was really good. But it was like Connery was just like ridiculously good, and. That's the case in almost all these films. He's there are so many performances, great performances by Sean Connery in sometimes bad films that just absolutely stands out. The Avengers. Oh, Jesus. The British one. Yes. Is when they decided, well, let's have him play against type, which is not a bad idea. Basically, he's playing a Bond villain, which is really smart. Yeah. Except, except 
It's a terrible movie. <laughs> terrible movie. It's got movie. some great... I mean, uh, what, Rafe... Why is it called pronounced Rafe when it's spelled Ralph? Because anyway, they're uh, funny. Because they're funny out there. Because they don't like to say Ralph. Patrick Roy. Anyway, Rafe finds uh, <laughs> Uma Thurman. Eddie Izzard is in that movie. Yeah. And I don't really care for Uma Thurman. And, and, I'm honest, and I either, but you know, and terrible casting considering who she's. I mean, that's not the right person to play that role. But Rafe, excellent actor. That's a good choice. It's just a really bad script. But Connery is great in it. Uh, Robin and Marion. I like the movie. It's a, I think it's a really good movie. A lot of people are kind of like, eh. But Connery is amazing as this aging Robin Hood who has come back from the Crusades. And this is his, basically, it's his last crusade. Ha ha. You know, he's going up against the Sheriff of Nottingham. And it's like, that. the performances are better. Than, I mean, you've got Audrey Hepburn. You've got Robert Shaw. And it's like, those three are just amazing in that movie. And you see that over and over and over in movies with Connery. I mean, I can't really think of, and I'm sure we'll come up with them, but I can't really think of a, a case when Connery is not at least good. Uh, Highlander. Highlander. Everyone remembers Ramirez. Highlander is a fun movie, and exactly, yeah. Connery is amazing in that film. And it happens over and over and over. Dragonheart, he's just doing the voice. And it's yeah, a terrific but, performance. But that voice. Yeah. Yeah, because it's Connery. And it's almost Connery doing a caricature of his voice because he's rumbling and he's being this big dragon. And uh, But it, there's so much nuance to it and there's a lot of humor to it, which, yeah, that's in the script, of course, but you needed someone like Connery to pull that off. That's brilliant casting and it's a great performance. Uh, I do want to mention he had some, as a person, he had a few character flaws like, he would not not really a great thing to do uh, Sir, well, yeah. Sir, Sir Sean but different times doesn't make it right but those were different times but we again we are talking about the performances we're talking about what he did on screen and he did just some amazing amazing work on screen even while he was Bond he did other films while he was being Bond and really stood out and you can see, wow, this guy really can act. And we'll talk about a few of those films too, as we go along. Well, actually, I'm just wondering wh where do you think, what do you think, I suppose is his, because I, I think we, we, we both agreed that his bond right. films are uh, at, at least the first three. Yeah. Which we'll get, we're going to get to those panic, not, um, yeah. You know, the, the, the first three were so excellent. Absolutely. But what were his best non-Bond films? And the, uh, the one where he's wearing the red bikini thing with the Battlestar Galactica blaster, that didn't make the list for some reason. Cause I, I didn't yeah. watch it after. I haven't watched it. I can't I'm imagine serious. that you didn't watch Zardoz. Uh, Thank you. I couldn't. It's, it's a weird. You know, it's not a terrible film. It's also not a good film. It's so, so out there. And of course, he's Sean Connery. So he's good, despite the fact that he has to basically be dressed like Borat. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, I, in, in the mankini, it's pretty terrifying. I saw that and went, yeah, I'm going to skip that one. Very, very odd film. It's worth watching just to watch what the, the hell train wreck idea is this mess. But uh Yeah. You'll be entertained by the badness of it. Let's put it that way. But uh, yeah, he's still good in it, despite the fact that that's just a, such a sick, weird movie. I don't know. Uh, I was thinking about this because obviously we've been talking about this for almost two weeks. Um, I'm going to throw a couple out there. We, we haven't mentioned because we've already mentioned a lot of excellent performances. Uh, I really like him in The Wind and the Lion, in which he plays... Uh, basically he plays the Rizzuli, who is, he is an Arab and this takes place, uh, during Teddy Roosevelt's administration. And he is a Arab tribal leader who kidnaps the wife of an American ambassador in Morocco. 
And he is educated in Great Britain, which explains his accent. That's how they get through that. So at least they bothered to try to explain it, unlike Highlander. Uh, so basically, it's this little, this tribal war chief, Sean Connery, against the United States of America. And because it's Sean Connery, yeah, you can kind of figure out how it might go. Really, really good movie. Uh, Brian Keith, of all people, who just people might remember more from just TV shows like A Family Affair, just, you know, just kind of some grumpy dad dude. He, he plays Teddy Roosevelt. He is freaking awesome. Absolutely awesome as Roosevelt. That, that sounds like a role he would be really good at. And it was tremendous. It was, I saw him in a, I've seen him in a bunch of stuff and he, I have yet to see him not be good. Yeah, he's, he's an excellent actor. He's just really underrated. And Connery just is like amazing in, in this film. And he has so many great lines. And it's just a confrontation between him. And, and there are other, he, he's warring against other tribes and they're trying to take him out and all the rest of this stuff. And I mean, it came out in 1975. So after his, uh, with, with Bond, except for one film. Uh, so before Robin and Marion, which was just a year before Robin and Marion. Also, love him in The Man Who Would Be King, which to me might be the best Sean Connery film, although this is one Michael Caine's the co-star. And Michael Caine is terrific because Michael Caine, another one of these guys, uh, Jesus, he, he's good in Jaws the Revenge, for God's sake, and, and <laughs> yeah. Hand. So, and this is based on a Kipling story where two adventurers, they're, they're British soldiers, and they decide... They, they hear rumors of some far off land in the Himalayas and they could go over and take over because they know how to start wars and win wars. And they'll go over and they'll win wars for some chieftain and they'll gradually go up the ladder and eventually they'll be the big kings. So that's about the man who would be king. And, and Roger Kipling is in it uh, telling the story played by Christopher Plummer, another guy who could act a little bit. It's directed by John Huston. It's this huge, sweeping, gigantic adventure and absolutely works for every moment of it. And both Kane and Connery are just like fantastic in this movie. And not that many people know about the movie. And it's absolutely a terrific movie, The Man Who Would Be King. And there's lots of humor to it and action and a lot of emotion that you might not see in in some of Connery's films that much. Uh, but absolutely terrific movie, terrific performance. Uh, I mean, there are a lot more. Back to you, Rob. What are some that stand out for you? Oh, well, actually, I watched League of Extraordinary Gentlemen again recently. and As did I. A lot of people did not like that movie, and I think it's because of not even so much the script, because it deviated so much from the original source material, which was a really good graphic novel. Yes, it is. Um but it wasn't, it, it didn't follow the story the way it should have, regardless of that. I, I'm i not familiar with the source material, so I'm just having to go with the movie, which, if you'll bear with the special effects, which did not age particularly well. No, they did not. Um, it was still a fun movie to watch. And Sean Connery was, was excellent in it as a, and if you're not familiar with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, it's a bunch of, <clears throat> excuse me, historical fictional characters that have been brought together for a, a mutual. It's the Avengers, only with Alan Quartermain and ne uh, Captain Nemo. Um, the, the Invisible Man. The, yeah. Mina Harker. Uh, and I've read the book and, the, and I wish they'd stuck with the storyline more, but... Uh, most of the acting is good. There's some that's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. And the script could have been better. The effects definitely could have been better. I mean, this came out in 2003. So it's not like they couldn't make special effects movies. Hello, Star Wars. Uh, well, I don't think they had Star Wars's budget. Yeah. <clears throat> but again, it's a fun movie. Not a great movie by any means. But again, Connery is just like tremendous. By far the best thing in the movie, which tends to happen a lot with Sean Connery films. Oh. <laughs> very, very often, he is the best thing in the movie. Uh, one of my other favorites, uh, Rising Sun, yeah, actually, which uh, was kind of an under-the-radar film for him because it didn't mm -hmm. 
didn't make a lot of money. Him and uh, Wesley Snipes playing detectives with Connery being the senior co-high, senior detective and solving a murder case that is really kind of weird. Yeah, very weird. But I liked it. Uh, It was really good. Do not show this to the kids because you're going to have to explain some things. Yes. Um, Yeah, it's, it's one of those films that it's, it's not really that violent. There are fight scenes in it. I don't know that anything gets particularly graphic. But there's some women of a... Uh, how, how would you explain this? It's, it, 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 there's sex things. So, se- yeah, sex happens in this movie uh, frequently. They're, es- they're escort ladies. Yeah, there you go. Um, but it his presence in this movie was tremendous. And the, uh, the fact that other characters in the movie kind of looked at how impressive he was. Shut up, Lee. And (laughs) it's not my fault. Uh, looked at his impressiveness and went, that's Sean Connery. I, I must be impressed now. And that I thought that was spectacular. Which fit the role perfectly yeah. because the, he was supposed to have a lot of ties. It takes place basically. There's a Japanese corporation, and there's although it takes place in L.A., it's almost like at the Nokatomi Plaza, except it's not. So yeah, he, he's he has ties with the Japanese culture because he'd spent years there. So he is like their liaison. Plus, he is the senior detective, so he has a lot of respect on both sides and the character should. And because it's Connery, he does as well. And and the interplay between him and Wesley Snipes is great because Wesley Snipes was, people may not remember, but 93 Wesley Snipes was a big thing. Yep. Very big thing. And, and rightly so. And their pairing is really good. They have really good chemistry in, in the film. Not, it's not a buddy film at all, but just that relationship of, Snipes chafing at the fact that, yeah, this guy is the senior, et cetera, et cetera, and I have to listen to him, yet knowing that he should, really, really good. I think it's a really, really good movie, borderline great movie. And again, Connery is terrific, and everybody is terrific. The acting in this movie is really good. But Connery is just like, yeah, it's Connery. I mean, the, the, other, <clears throat> the other big film for me with him was uh, Hunt for Red October. Yep. Which was not a flop. It had a tremendous cast to it. Um, and actually, I'm, I'm going to throw out this trivia thing because a lot of people didn't realize this. Um, I think there's maybe three women on screen at any point. One of them's a, an airline stewardess for a, would you like a drink? Okay, thank you. And that's she's gone. Um, Alec Baldwin's character in this. Did you catch who his wife was? Mm, not of hand now. I mean, she is at the she's in the movie at for like ten seconds at the beginning of the of the film. It's Gates McFadden. <laughs> That's interesting. Doctor Beverly Crusher is, is married to Alec Baldwin at the beginning of this movie, and she's on screen. I don't even think she has a line, but she's there. <clears throat> anyway, back to Sean Connery, um, playing weirdly a Russian submarine commander. With a Scottish accent. You yes. get used to it. Don't worry about that. Uh, again, it's it's his presence in the film that, uh, you know, because he's the commander of this ship, everyone looks up to him. And that's what Sean Connery does. It's, look at me. I'm leading you whether you want me to or not. And everyone goes, yes, yes, you are leading us. And we will follow. That's what he does. And it's great. Um, and it, while that film does get a bit slow in places, it's still a, it, it builds tension better. I think than a lot of other movies do when they oh, absolutely slow down to build tension. A lot of them go, Oh, we're slowing down to, oh, I've gone to sleep because that, that they slow down too much. This one doesn't, it gets the tension just right. This, this coming from the man who is bored by. Mad Max Fury Road. So, yeah, <laughs> that was me. 
But to your point, yeah, it does. Absolutely. The slow moments, just they crank up the tension even more. Really, really good movie. And again, Connery is just like off the charts. One, one thing, going back to the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Sure. Sean Connery, he's by far the biggest star because most of the cast wasn't that well. I mean, Stuart Townsend is probably the other biggest actor. Actually, in uh, I have forgotten her name. She played Mina, the vampire woman. Peta. Thank you. She was um, just coming off playing... Crap, I've lost the name. It was a TV show. It was on the USA Network. La Femme Nikita. There we go. Yeah. So, but I mean, there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of up there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of up there. Yeah, it was, absolutely. But, I mean, she was maybe like the second biggest star. As so. well as Sean Connery? No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sean Connery was 73. 73. Yeah, I guess he was, wasn't he? When they made this movie. He's the lead in an action film. How much? And it works because they play to the fact that he's older because he's retired. And then they talk about that. And, and you, if you watch the action scenes. Oh, crap. I need my glasses. <laughs> you can kind of that, that, That's one of the things in the movie. It's, yeah. It's not that the, line, but. Yeah, that's close enough, good. right? Because he's got to pick off some guy at, at range who's. Some villain who's running away. and He's 900 point, yards away. Uh, yeah, basically. He takes his glasses <clears throat> okay. out and then shoots him because he's Alan Quartermain, who in this country, he's not that well known. Quartermain is an iconic character in, in, in the British Isles. Uh, but he pulls it off. He was freaking 73 years old, and he absolutely pulls it off without question. Uh, that, to me, speaks as much about the, the screen presence of Connery and the ability to command this this the scene as anything. It's like, how many actors are going to be able to do that and make it believable? Absolutely. Now, I did want to ask you about one film with Sean Connery in it because I had to be reminded that Sean Connery was in this one. <laughs> I watched it once. Mm -hmm. There is only one scene I remember, and he's not in it. Uh, the film is Entrapment. The scene yep. I remember is Catherine Zeta-Jones. Of course you remember. In her prime, maneuvering around lasers. Yes. And if you watch it, are you going to remember anything else from that? It was not a memorable movie apart from that scene, at least as far as I'm concerned. I agree. It's not a, it's an okay movie. It's not even a good movie. Catherine Zeta-Jones, uh, aside from the cat suit. Apart from that scene. She's really good in it. Connery, yeah. again, is freaking Connery. He's really good in that film. And that, and that's, I know we've been saying this a few times, and it's kind of a broken record, but Outland, High Noon in Outer Space. Yep. Okay, movie. Not great. Could have been better. Connery but is, it's Sean Connery. Connery is terrific in that movie, and we see that. You mentioned Time Bandits before, and he plays Agamemnon, and he fights the Minotaur, and it's like he's awesome because it's freaking sean connery we see that over and over and over where if if connery's in it you know eh, okay <clears throat> this looks like it's going to be a crap fest like zardoz but connery's in it i know connery's going to be fun to watch and he is i mean we haven't even talked you know you mentioned the presidio and we haven't talked about the name of the rose you know this which is an odd take on this his, on this deep historical medieval monk murder mystery. <laughs> and it's basically very loosely based on the book. But it's Connery. And it's really, he is excellent in it. I mean, we've got some other movies like... Okay. Uh, I'll even mention Highlander 2. <clears throat> the worst yeah. sequel in the history of ever. But Sean Connery's parts of... I need to get an updated wardrobe. I need to fly. Fly? <laughs> Can people fly now from here to there? Those scenes are incredible. Yeah, absolutely. In a movie that is otherwise crap. Absolute crap. Um, we, have, we haven't mentioned this movie. Yes. And certainly not a Connery movie by any means. And... It's an entertaining movie, but there's a major problem with this movie. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. Kevin Costner, 
I like Kevin Costner a lot. I mean, I like him as a person. I like him as an actor. I like him as a director. Not the person to cast as someone from the British Isles because he in no way can do anything close to anything other than Kevin Costner. I am from some indiscriminate place in America because that's my he accent. He plays Kevin Costner very well. Yes. <clears throat> towards the end of the film, King Richard comes back from the Crusades. Like towards the very end of the film, he comes uh, back uh, from the Crusades. The film. And we suddenly see who plays King Richard. I'm not going to say who it is, even though this is <clears throat> a movie that came out Oh my God, almost 30 years ago at this point, which is crazy yeah. uh, because we respect the spoilers, but we have been talking about a certain actor. That is yeah. the high point of the film by far because, wow, who could we get to play this? And he's not even listed in the credits because they yeah. wanted it to be a surprise. And it's just, and it's just, it's so perfect because, I mean, you can even see it in the actors. Because it was like, oh my God, it's this guy. It's exactly what you were saying before. I'm wondering like, if they told the actors for that. And this one, oh. <laughs> oh, the king's here, and everyone goes, oh crap. I hope they didn't. I hope they didn't. Because you can, you, that's one of the things where you could go, yeah. that, yep, the king is here. <clears throat> true. Very true, especially for that kind of film. And, you know, the fact that he had played Robin himself uh, kind of works really well. So, uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, that was his last on-screen role, but he actually did a few uh, voiceover works. Yeah, he actually did. And I started to watch this film called Sir Billy. That's the, the British title. came out in 2012. Uh, the last thing. And he does the, the voice of it. And I started watching it, and the animation is so god-awful. <laughs> I, I, I stopped watching uh, this is a theatrical release, and it looks like something that was done for a bad cable channel. That's the, the quality. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it's a it's I'm movie. I'm just looking but at the like, picture, and it looks like it's made maybe in '92. Mm-hmm. 2012. I know, but it looks like it was made in '92. Exactly. If then, it and makes not- Veggie Tales looks good. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Really terrible. Uh, level of animation is like I just gave up. Uh, so League of Extraordinary Gentlemen wasn't his last work, but it was last on-screen work, which, again, not a great film to wrap up with. Not a terrible film either, but a terrific performance. Absolutely a terrific performance. And it just, I mean, there's still movies we haven't even... Murder on the Orient Express, did not mention it yet. Uh, two... But- Two movies, one movie, that, two movies I'll mention that I like that aren't my favorites, but the Anderson tapes, where he's basically a master thief who is trying to break into, I can't remember, I think it's, uh, I don't remember now if it's a bank, no, I think it's, it's some high rise building he's trying to steal some stuff. But it's all about surveillance because everything is under closed circuit cameras and he's not really aware of it and they're setting him up. This is in 1971, so hello, big brother. Uh, the offense where he is a homicide detective who basically the pressures of the job have been getting to him. And he commits an offense by attacking a suspect. So the film kind of delves into the investigation of that, how it happened, the case that this guy was a suspect in, but basically it's a character study of Connery (laughs) and Connery is tremendous in that. But I'm going to go back to a movie called The Hill. One of my favorite movies. He did this in the middle of between Goldfinger and Thunderball. Yeah, between Goldfinger and Thunderball, and he plays a disgraced British Army sergeant who is in prison, military prison, his own service prison, and it's about how badly they're treated. Again, these are British soldiers in a British war in a British prison camp because they've all committed various offenses and they're in, in jail. And it's a tremendous, tremendous performance. So back when people were thinking, oh, he plays Bond, Bond, that's all he can do, blah, blah, blah. It's like, there's so much depth to this. And it's such a great gripping drama about how he's fighting against the system uh, without trying to get the crap beat out of him, because that happens. Uh, just an absolutely great movie, The Hill. Uh, 
and like you said, came out between was done between Goldfinger and, and Thunderball, and Marnie, a Hitchcock film, done between From Russia with Love and Goldfinger. And Marnie is absolutely great movie. It's kind of dated now because this is 1964. This dealing with sexual repression would be a very different film if they remade it at this point. <coughs> yeah. Really, really good performance again by Connery. So, I mean, we still, there are still movies we haven't even mentioned and virtually every one of them worth seeing for Connery for nothing else. So before we get to the Bond stuff, what what is your Connery, your, your, your non-Bond Connery movie? My non-Bond Connery movie for the movie itself it would be the man who would be king for the Connery performance. I'm actually going to go with the wind and the, and the lion. Both came out in 75. Good year for, it's like a fine wine. It's a good year for Connery. Yeah, definitely a good year for Connery. But as far as the performance, I mean, if you ask me tomorrow, I'll probably come up with something different. And then a third one and then a fourth one, because Jesus, there are so many. What about you, sir? For me, I'm, Rob, see, for me, it's a toss-up Yeah, between <laughs> The Hunt for Red October and Rising Sun. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed both of those movies, and <clears throat> I'm not sure I would have if Sean Connery was not in them. And exactly. It's hard for me to not put Highlander in this because I, I love Highlander. Um, and, and for me, the Outland fits into that thing if it wasn't for Sean Connery. Yeah. I mean, it just, and that's the case, as, as we've been saying for a while now, that's the case with so many of these films. It's like the, <laughs> the, mo the movie we've been talking about probably maybe more than any of the others, oddly enough, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Would that be remotely worth watching if Connery is not in it? Well, I'm trying to think of who else you could put in. And I'm like, I'm only coming up with Patrick Stewart and going, even then, no. No. Connery absolutely makes... If there's anything worth watching in that film, it's because of Connery. Love Patrick Stewart, by the way. Yeah, but yeah, it wouldn't have worked. <clears throat> I, I, I don't wouldn't have liked it nearly as much. Um, okay, so <clears throat> now to the thing that Connery, I think, is probably most known for. Indeed, thing is, we're not going to stop with just Connery, even though I think he'll finally end up being the conclusion we come to. Possibly, possibly. <clears throat> What are the best Bond movies? And I've got the list in front of me. And no, I'm not counting the first time they did Casino Royale because that was <laughs> that was it, weird. I am yeah. going to throw in Never Say Never Again, which is not officially a Bond movie. And I'm not. There's legal things. Look it up. I'm not yeah. going to go into it. It's complicated and convoluted. Fun. <laughs> But I thought we, you know, we could break these down and put them into three categories. You've got good Bond movies. You've got, eh, it's a Bond movie and crap Bond movies, of yes. which there is Roger Moore. There are a few. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are a few. I, say, I think, and weirdly, I think a lot of them are going to fit into that middle category of, yep, that's a Bond film. Yeah. And that, that's I what agree. we should call it. It, it. Yep, it's a Bond film. But let's start with Dr. No which I think has got to be great Bond film. Oh, yeah. Because I think it was. Um, and actually, I'm going to put Russia with Love and Goldfinger in those categories. The first three, they, they started off with <clears throat> the triple crown of just excellent films. There's not many trilogies where you can say all three of them were great. No, they're not. Um but this was a great trilogy. Yeah, Dr. No, the, the first Bond film. So it establishes the character. It establishes the expectations, establishes the Bond girl, the, the, the worldwide flung. Wow, that's a terrible phrase. But, you know, who knows where this is going to take place? And we're in the Bahamas and, you know, just so all of Jamaica. Sorry. So they're all over the world. So it establishes all of these things. And at the same time, Connery is great. 
absolutely great in this. And he hadn't really done much to that point to show that he would have that kind of a commanding screen presence. I mean, Darby O'Gill and the Little People, not really. So, <laughs> and the movie holds up itself. So it's not just, I was like, oh, okay, well, I can see where they're going to go from here. Yeah, we can see that, but it's a great movie. Even if that had been the only movie they'd ever done, it's like, wow, that's a hell of a great movie because it really is. And they upped it. I think From Russia With Love is even better. And to me, I like it even better than Goldfinger. Most people like Goldfinger better. But for a lot of people, Goldfinger is like the best. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out later. But right. like you said, just three movies like that, back to back to back, is like that. hard to think of a time when that happened, when you've got three movies that are all so extremely well done. The uh, next one would be Thunderball which is still up there on the top uh, top grossing films yeah, uh, percentage-wise and economically <clears throat> adjusted and all that crap. Yep. But for me, Thunderball, and this has nothing to do with Connery and everything to do with the script, it wasn't as good as the first three. I agree. I liked it. Uh, <laughs> one, of the, one of the things, too, is Bond villains. <clears throat> and... That's possibly one place where Dr. No slips a little bit because the villain, the villain was good and creepy, but it was not quite as good as the villain would become. Uh, like in From Russia With Love, Robert Shaw plays the villain. is like, that's pretty good. And Goldfinger is kind of the iconic Bond villain. So they slipped a little bit with the villain when they went to Thunderball. And I think, I, I honestly think that's really the only place where it falls down a little bit. Not that he's bad, he's just not not as great as the villains they'd had in the two previous films. Now, what do you think about You Only Live Twice? Because I really liked that one, despite all the implicit racism, question mark, where they <laughs> they turned, they, if, you, if you haven't seen it, there's... For some reason that I still in not entirely clear on, they decided to make Sean Connery Japanese. And it just kind of looked like Sean Connery with a slightly different haircut. That's yeah. all I got out of it. Yeah, they uh, they they messed with his eyebrows a little bit. And he was supposedly undercover. And it was like that really didn't work that well. Work. <laughs> but I do like You Only Live Twice. It's pretty cool. I mean, you've got the bizarre the completely bizarre but it worked thing of this gigantic thing inside a volcano which and it sent up a pac-man spaceship that ate other spaceships and brought them to earth they they have that has been that has been parodied over and over and over since then but we also had the first appearance of blofeld yep in the only live twice so you only live twice again not quite to the level of those first three but a really really good it's Certainly not just, oh, it's a Bond film. Really good movie. So so are, are we putting it in the great film category or the, the middle one? You know what? I'll... Ugh, gosh. We'll I know. Need this a, one's kind of... We'll, a, we'll, we'll need a fourth one. Uh, like a good... Because it's yeah. not just... I would put it in great much much more than I would say it's just, eh, it's a Bond movie. I would, I would put it 1.5. How's that? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. And now we get a bit weird because it's the first non-Connery Bond film. Yep. And I've never really been sure what to make of on your Majesty, on her, on your Majesties, or Her Majesties, or Their Majesties, uh, Secret Service, with George Lazenby, who had no idea how to act before this film. I don't <laughs> know if you've ever seen the the yeah. how he got the role. They just went, "You look like you could make a good Bond. Why don't you go try out for it?" And they, he made up a, a resume of films he's been in that he hasn't never acted before and rarely acted since. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> I will say this. If Connery had done this film, this potentially could have been the best Bond film. Yeah. Telly Savalas is a really good, uh, really good villain. Diana Rigg, <clears throat> speaking of roles Uma Thurman should not attempt. Uh, Diana Rigg, excellent, absolutely excellent. And it's a great, great story. See, I, I think she's the best part of the film instead of Bond. Mm, quite likely. 
And it's not that Lazenby is bad. He isn't bad. But But he's not Connery. He's not Connery. You know, for a guy who basically really was not an actor, he's really good. Yeah. But I would say the series is lucky that he stepped in and was the first non-Connery Bond because it's like the first person to take the place of, you know, typically, and to throw sports into it, typically you don't have a Steve Young to step in after Joe Montana is there. Usually you have some schlep who is the first quarterback after somebody great. And it's like, uh, so you need that palate cleanser. And then when the next person comes, people are okay. Oh, well, okay. You know, he's not Connery, but at least he isn't. So, uh, and last minute he's okay, but it's like, dude, you're, you're not Connery and no one will could have been. It's a really good movie. But despite that, yeah, I'm, I'm putting it in I, I, it, for me. It's a, yep. That's a bond movie. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, if it had been, if it had been Connery, it absolutely would have been one of the best bond movies, but it just, you had to take such a hit by, by losing Connery. <clears throat> and now for the campiest of the Connery films, <sighs> I think, uh, diamonds are forever. I wouldn't say it's the campiest, but there, there's a lot to, to but, me, there's a lot of humor in that one. But, that, but there's a lot of camping. Uh, certainly the campiest for the Connery run. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. For, that, that's what I meant for the Connery run. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. Even with the the car that magically. Yes. Sw- fl- flips sides that it's driving on. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch the film and you'll go, hang on a minute. What was that? <laughs> yes. <clears throat> It's not, it's not, it's not that it, it's not that he's able to flip the car on one side to drive through an alley. It's what happens after they get out of the alley. So it, yeah. Well, in the middle of the alley when they try to fix it. Yeah. And no. <laughs> and then there's the two, uh, they're not the main bad guys, but wow. It, it, and I'm not sure how to describe them either. Other than one of them looks like, uh, Meathead from All in the Family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the, the two of them. It's Rob Reiner. I, I don't know what to make of them, but how do we rate this movie? Because it's, it's fun to watch, but it's one of those where you go, you, you might finish it and go, that's a Bond film. Because it seems a bit, it's a bit too silly. Yeah, that's it's it's one of those. Definitely, it's like eh, it's a Bond film because it is it it is a little bit too too silly. They had kind of lost the the thread on on this one. Still a fun movie to watch, worth watching. Oh but. yeah. <clears throat> but now, now we get into the years that are oh dear, the oh dear years. Yes, because we do. it's it's uh, it's time for Roger Moore, <clears throat> and we're going to start with uh, uh, his first movie, of course, "Live and Let Die," which I don't know that it was a bad Bond film. Of course, we're going to get some, to some of those we very will. soon, <clears throat> but uh, I thought "Live and Let Die" was it wasn't bad. It was different than what Connery had done with it. Right. But it, you know, different is not necessarily bad. So where are we putting this one? So I'm it's putting a, it in. I'm, I'm thinking, yep, that's a Bond film. Totally. It's a Bond film. It's entertaining. Uh, it's fun. It's got Yafat Kato, which is fun. Uh, they had a good bad guy. They had a very good bad guy. They had the second best Bond theme song ever. Kind of, kind of hard to beat uh, Paul McCartney and Wings on that one. Um, Even the Guns N' Roses version isn't bad. Yeah, exactly. Here's here's the problem with all of the Roger Moore films. Roger Moore. Yeah. Uh, and I've said this, I've, I've probably said this on this show three times, and I don't think we've ever At even least. talked about Bond. Yep. <clears throat> we're, we're talking about an assassin. He is paid to kill people. That's what the 007 thing means. He is the seventh person who is licensed to kill in performance of duty. Does Roger Moore look like someone who ever had even, 
I don't know, smashed a grapefruit, let alone a fly, let alone killed a person. <clears throat> he does not, which speaks well of his character. He was in a TV show in the 60s um, called The Saint. Yeah. Great <laughs> show. Excellent. He is excellent in that film because The Saint is a smart jewel thief who is witty, does all the stuff that Bond does in the movies, except he doesn't have to kill anybody. He so even tries. He drives a Volvo. He tries to get out of fights. He doesn't even want to have fisticuffs, let alone kill somebody. So, and, and this is less Roger Moore than the direction they took it in. They, they went to make it campier, funnier. They went for big action sequences, but less. There's there's still a lot of violence in the in the film, but it's no longer believable. Absolutely unbelievable to me, which is why I think all of the Roger Moore films, they would have been fun films if they were something other than James Bond films. Some of them, some of them would suck no matter what they were. Uh, but One yeah. I might put in the good in the good category. We'll get to yeah. that in just a minute. But yeah, Live and Let Die is a meh to me. It's a Bond film. Yeah. How about The Man with a Golden Gun? Same thing. It's a meh film. It's a Bond and, film. And, and Christopher Lee. Pretty freaking great villain, but he—he's not well. He's not Scaramanga, that well used, and this is his third nipple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not that—he's not that well used in this film. He's Christopher freaking Lee, uh, so underwritten. Let's put it that yeah. way. I uh, see. I <clears throat> the next one was the spy who loved me, which I think could have been a you know, one of the best Bond films, but they added Jaws. Yeah. Who was just, I'm sorry, that's too silly. Yep. I can't take it seriously anymore. Exactly. Way, um, way over the top. Uh, and he didn't need to be. It yeah, was uncalled for. They really didn't need <clears throat> that in there. Um, even without the addition of Jaws, which is just a, a fun character, but it's like he should have been in a Saturday morning cartoon, for God's sakes. Yeah. To me, that's still just, eh, it's a Bond film. See, that was then followed up with the, we want to make a Star Wars film with Bond in it, Moonraker. Yeah. And this is where things start to go horribly wrong, because to me, Jaws was in this one, but he made it better. <laughs> <laughs> and if Jaws is making your film better, you've gone horrifically wrong. Yes. When, when the henchman is one of the most popular parts of the previous film, you got problems. You, you've done something horribly wrong. Um, thing is, and th this this confused me. They followed it with "For Your Eyes Only," which to me was the best Roger Moore film. I, I do. You have an opinion on that, one way or the other? Or my opinion on all the Roger Moore <coughs> films are they are trash and utter crap. Uh, the only reason I'm saying they're okay that it's a bond film is because eh, they're fun to watch and blah 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 but i haven't watched a roger moore bond film in probably 15 years because they pissed me off so much because they went in such a terrible direction they have such awful special effects i mean for the time for the time they have terrible special effects i don't remember which one it is because i refuse to watch the damn things again but there's one where he's underwater and the Bond girls underwater with them. And they clearly filmed it in like some with some fans because the way their hair is blowing is clearly in the wind, not in the water. They didn't even bother putting them in the water. They faked it because I guess it was going to cost too much to rent a swimming pool or Roger Moore didn't feel like getting wet. It was like how utterly crappy they did such a terrible job of carrying this license to make money that they absolutely ran the freaking thing into the ground. Uh, some of those movies, and we haven't gotten to them yet, some of those are absolutely awful films, and we will get to them. But for me, all of them suck. All of the Roger Moore films suck because, and again, they could Roger Moore could have done a better job if they had written them better. Not that I ever could buy him as like an assassin to begin with, but they went so far in the direction of, oh, let's make this fun and campy and have shitty effects. 
it's like it, it's clear that they didn't even care anymore. And I mean, the producers, they, it sure didn't show up on screen. Well, that brings us quite nicely to never say never again. <laughs> yes. Oh, look, Sean Connery's back, but he's got this other group of writers. And this one, to me, this one is a, another one of those, eh, yeah, it's a Bond film. <laughs> right. But it's because <clears throat> I think they tried to make Connery into Roger Moore for this film, which please uh, do it the other way. But they didn't. Yeah, they he comes back out of retirement. And so he's an older Bond. So there's concessions to his age, which is hilarious, considering how long he would play action heroes. Hello, Alan Quartermain. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and like you said, this was not an authorized Bond film despite the fact that he's playing James Bond. And this, basically this is a remake of Thunderball. It's the same plot as Thunderball. Yep. Um, not only it has a video game in the middle of it. Yeah. Not as, not as well done as Thunderball directed by the guy who directed one of, yeah, I think most people would say one of the best movies ever, the empire strikes back. So there you go. Irving Kirshner directed this <clears throat> as well. Uh, really good Bond villain, really good Bond girl. Really good Bond. But really impressive horse. <laughs> but it still winds up just being a, it's a Bond movie. It's a Bond film, as opposed to the film that came out a whopping two months later. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> which would be another Bond film. This one licensed. Uh, Octopussy. Yeah. Are we putting this one in the, oh, why did you make that a Bond film? <clears throat> yeah, this is, this is no, this is a it's big not. no. And then they followed that with 1985's A View to a Kill, which I will, in my opinion, and I'm going to go off on this someday, had the best Bond theme, I, I, in my opinion, and I'll get to that someday. And they wasted it on the worst Bond <laughs> film. There is not a worse Bond film to me than th they had Grace Jones, who could have been a great bad guy. They had Christopher Walken, yeah. who could have been a great bad guy. And <clears throat> they had, I have lost his name, the guy from the Avengers, uh, the the original <clears throat> Patrick McNee. Yeah, that's him, Patrick um, I'll get there eventually. I'm slow, but there. Had all these great people in it. And wrote a crap fest. Yes. So to me, that's squarely in the, oh, don't watch this one. Just, the beginning just, is fun. The beginning is fun, but when you have a chase scene with a fire truck. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a problem when the, to me, there's a problem when the best scene in the movie happens before they even roll the opening credits. I think we're going to get to that in another one uh, farther <laughs> down the list. But mercifully, that was the last Roger Moore film, because now we're on to Timothy Dalton. Yes, we are. And uh, let's see, The Living Daylights in 87, License to Kill in 89. And you know what? I liked both of them. But I'm not sure that we can put them in the same category uh, as Connery's. <clears throat> no, not at or all. Can we? Are, are, are they... Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Are they close, or is it? Are these just both? Yep, they were Bond films. They're Bond films to me. They're entertaining. They're worth watching. It's like, oh, they're out at the theater. Let's go watch a Bond movie. And you'll come home and you'll say, yeah, that was a good Bond movie. But to me, that's all you're getting out of it. <clears throat> so I guess we're moving on to. Uh, let's see they're, what there was a. They're almost seven... good. By, they're almost good by default because it's not Roger Moore and it's not right. the super's idiotic slapstick crap that they had turned the Bond films into anymore. They were actually trying to make, oh, this is about a guy who kills people for the British government. And I think they did a good job of it. It's, it's, just, it's just not Connery. Right. Which brings us to Pierce Brosnan, who was almost revered as Connery-esque, or supposed to be Connery the next generation. And I think they started good with, with I think Goldeneye, I want to put that in the category with Connery's. I will. I will put it in the category of of not with Connery's, but I will put it in the category of these are good. These are really good. That's a really good film. Put it above just. It's got. It's more than just a Bond film. 
Yeah, exactly. It goes in with the, the really good Bond films. I agree. And, and Brosnan is interesting to me because to me, they clearly said, let's get the best of Connery and let's get the best of more, you know, the, the easygoing humor and stuff, which actually Connery had even better than more, but whatever. <clears throat> so, and we'll combine those. So we'll, we'll have the humor. So they're going to be more humorous than the Connery films. And Brosnan can totally pull that off. And Brosnan, at the same time, can play someone who actually appears to be dangerous. So that, that worked off. Not a, to me, not as well as Connery, but it was a vast improvement over Moore and an improvement over <laughs> Dalton. Dalton was good, but I think they had refound range here of, of what they were trying to do with Bond films. Not to the level of the early Connery stuff. But I, but I think they had realized, oh, okay, this finally looks like a Bond film instead of like, eh, it's a Bond movie. Now, <clears throat> the next two confused me a bit. Uh, 97's Tomorrow Never Dies and 99's The World Is Not Enough. But what confused me about these is the titles are switched. <laughs> because the first one, <clears throat> Tomorrow Never Dies, is about a guy who wants to take over the world and the world is not enough for him. Mm-hmm. And the next one is about a guy who uh, doesn't die. Yeah. <clears throat> so if you switch the titles back <clears throat> to what I think they should have been, I, I'd put them above, you know, the, meh, they're a Bond film. I think they were good films. I don't know that they were up to Connery, though. Uh, to me, they're both <clears throat> just meh, they're Bond movies. Uh to me, they're also almost completely interchangeable, except Tomorrow Never Dies has Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. That is a big standout, and that's one of the few times when they actually said, oh, let's get a female lead who can hold her own with Bond. That makes sense. But they are so interchangeable. <laughs> I absolutely could not tell you what happens in either one. They're just... I have to look them up every time. Yeah. And go, All right, which one was which? Which... <laughs> Which you don't have that problem with those with the any of the Connery films, let alone the first three. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> and I guess uh, Die Another Day. Mm-hmm. There were issues with Die Another Day, but it <clears throat> are they as bad as some of the Roger Moore films? No. This, this is to me. This is another. Eh, it's a Bond movie. Eh, Bond film. So <clears throat> that brings us up to the current Bond. And no, we have not reviewed No Time to Die because it's not out yet. Damn you. <laughs> Where are you putting Daniel Craig in all this? <clears throat> Daniel Craig, it, to me, is the first person who actually plays James Bond correctly. Uh, that's since Connery, that is. Uh, obviously, part of that is script, part of that is direction, but a big <laughs> part of it is Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig... In the films, does he look like someone who could calmly walk up to someone, shoot them in the head, and not even blink? Not even stop? Just not even really look at them? Just keep going? Take, take, take another drink, play another hand of Baccarat? I mean, absolutely, he pulls this off. Without question, and I can't imagine anyone arguing that there has been a better bond since Connery than Daniel Craig. Miles better than Brosnan. <clears throat> Dalton, Lazenbury, Lazenby, not Murray. Sorry, George. Uh, <laughs> Lazenberries. That's a new flavor from Captain Crunch. <laughs> oh my God, that'd be so good. <clears throat> Tastes like murder. Uh, and of course, Roger Moore. And and it, I like Roger Moore as an actor. He's just totally wrong for the Bond films. Uh, but Craig is terrific. Craig uh, may actually be more physical than Connery, which is saying something. Because Connery was a freaking beast. And yeah. Craig just, <clears throat> the, the physicality of, of the role, and again, this is the way they shot the films and the way they were written. It's not just Craig. <clears throat> but they could have put a lot of actors in the role and it wouldn't have worked. Craig is absolutely terrific. Connery is still oh. my favorite Bond, but I can totally see uh, someone younger who starts with the Daniel Craig films and then goes back to Connery and they're saying, yeah, Connery's really good, but Craig is Bond. I can absolutely see that. Absolutely see that. So where are we putting 
<clears throat> Casino Casino Royale, absolutely among the best. Actually, I would not say it's I'm not going to say it's the best Bond film, but I would actually put it somewhere in mixed in with that top three. It's it's better than Thunderball. Uh, hands down, it's better than Thunderball. I don't think there's any comparison. <clears throat> um, gosh. Uh, yeah. I, I, my favorite Bond film is From Russia with Love. And I would actually put Casino Royale, the, the Craig version, not the horrible comedy uh, with Woody Allen and David Niven. <clears throat> I would, would put Casino Royale as my second favorite Bond film. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> Because it absolutely gets rid of all the bullshit that they had spent decades on and reestablished it as these are serious films. They're entertainment, but they're serious films. They're about serious topics, and, we have, and we're going to take this seriously. Is there some humor to them? Absolutely, there's still humor to the, to the films. There's humor but to everything if you look for it. <clears throat> all the way back to like Connery's little quips. A great villain, Mads Mikkelsen, terrific actor. The great job of recasting M. They have Judy Dench playing M. Ava Green is the Bond girl. Everybody is terrific, and the, the action sequences are awesome. Uh, it's to me, this is just an absolutely excellent, ex- excellent movie. Let alone Bond movie. So we're <clears throat> let's let's go through the last three of his real quick. Quantum of Solace. I would still put it with the really good Bond movies, but it's. It's creeping towards the, eh, it's a Bond movie thing. Uh, (laughs) Definitely needed a better script. Definitely needed a better script. Skyfall? Back with the best Bond movies. Absolutely back with the best Bond movies. Really well done. And we get some background on James Bond, finally, which is really, really interesting. (laughs) Boy, Spectre's tough. Spectre should have been so much better. Uh, I still think it fits in with the top Bond movies, but that's that's the least. No, it's not the least of the... Spectre is better <clears throat> than Quantum of Solace, but not by much. Um, I'd still say it's, it goes in with the top Bond films, but it is definitely below Connery's first three outings, absolutely, as is Quantum of Solace. <clears throat> so our top Bond films... Would be the Daniel Craig, Daniel Craig series, I guess. <clears throat> uh, Doctor No from Russia with Love, Goldfinger, You Only Live Twice, and possibly Golden Eye on that list. Possibly. possibly. So, the the your your number one overall, you said was my number one overall is actually from Russia with Love, which doesn't get as much love as either of the other two early Connery films. Ha ha. For me, I'm actually going to go with you only live twice. Wow. From Russia with love. Philistine. (laughs) (laughs) Because from Russia with love had, and this is the only fault I have with the film. The final fight scene Mm -hmm. with, well, was she number three? Number two, whatever she was, um, female smirsh agent or whatever, who uh, tried to take out Bond in the worst choreographed fight scene I've ever seen. (laughs) Just because you have a little knife blade in your shoot. Spoiler. It's from 63. You should have seen it by now. Yeah. The little knife blade in the shoe. And she the, the way she tries to kick him in ways that my kids have tried to kick me and I've gone, n- no, you know, she's, she's a little lady. That, that's not the point. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're supposed to be this big, badass super villain. And he's holding you at arm's length and she's going, I'm going to get you and go away, go, go away, boy. You bother me. Kind of a foghorn leghorn thing. <laughs> <clears throat> well, to that's, me, she was a big, badass villain, but she wasn't a physical she was a planner. Physically, she a, exactly. She was, she was a planner, a, not a fighter. How do, how do those fight scenes with Blofeld go? Not well for Blofeld. Blo- did Blofeld have a fight scene? I think he had like one fight scene where he got punched. 
That yeah, doesn't one, count as a fight scene. That's just a took take a punch scene. <laughs> but yeah, either way, it's Sean Connery who unfortunately is no longer with us. No. Like he was ever actually on this show, but we can dream. <clears throat> fun. So yeah. Anyway, that is our show for this week. Yes, it went long, but we're talking about Sean Connery. He's big, he's majestic. Therefore, we give him a big, majestic show. Indeed. Um, and in case you haven't looked outside recently, COVID is spiking again. Yeah. So you know what? We've given you a lot of movies in this show. All of them are available on streaming services. So stay home and watch Sean Connery. That's the end.